Good morning, everyone. It's good seeing you all this morning. We've been um, cut in halves. We've been split in twos and threes and in fours this morning. There's a quarter of us here and the rest are on Zoom. Um, but nonetheless, we're, we're still going and we're going to keep going. And the Word of God goes on. And you can try and shut it down and shut it up, but God's Spirit is still moving and, and God is bringing people to him all over the world because um, there is a number that is allocated in the kingdom of heaven, believe it or not, and that number is being filled. And when that number stops, then the end of time has come and we will find ourselves home. So till then, we are people collecting numbers for the kingdom. So we go around telling people about Jesus because the days are drawing closer and we will continue. So don't fear. We don't, we're not scared. Um, we're pretty excited. Whatever comes, we're looking forward to it. Um, it just means that salvation draws nearer today than it's ever been. So let's bow our heads in prayer. And if you're here for the first time, welcome. If you're there behind the screen for the first time, I, um, I ask you just to simply do one thing, and that's just to open your heart to God, not to people, not to man, but to God, because there is a living God, and he's alive, and he's more alive than you and I. See, we need air to, to live. We need air to breathe, but our God needs nothing to exist. It's who he is, and it's what he is, and it's what makes him God. We are dependent on him. He is dependent on no one. And we need something in our life that is strong, unmovable, that we can depend on. So if you come now believing in him, you can say, Lord, if you're there, make yourself known to me. I want to know you for all that you are. I want to know you completely. And if you do that in faith and you do that sincerely in your heart, I believe God will make himself known to you this morning. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning, Lord God, and we give you this time, despite of who we are and what we are, you continue to move by your Holy Spirit. You continue to draw people to you. You, Lord God, are powerful and are working powerfully in the lives of those who call upon your name. You deliver, you save, you strengthen, you build. I pray for anyone and everyone here this morning that is calling or crying out to you that they would know you, Lord God, in the depth of their heart by the revelation of your Holy Spirit in their life, I pray. Cast the devil away. Cast him away from us this hour, Lord God, as we listen to your truth and we ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. I must make a confession. Um, I'm a bit all hazy this morning because uh, I've just got off the spirit of Tasmania. And so, so you know, the, the seasickness and, and the tablets that I had to take so I don't get uh, nausea and, and vomit on anyone. So I took double the dose on the way back. So I'm a bit, I'm a bit all over the place in my head. Um, you're looking a little bit hazy to me. But anyway, I think God will still work nonetheless. In our weakness, he is a lot more stronger. So we're going to trust in the Lord 
in that this morning, as we look at this passage particularly, um, you, will, you will see a little bit more of, of God. So turn with me to John chapter 13, verse 36 and 38. John chapter 13, verse 36 to 38. I want to uh, look at this conversation that took place with Peter and Jesus when Jesus was walking the earth with one of his disciples. I think it's a very intimate and very powerful conversation that Jesus Christ had with one of his disciples. And I want us to look at this this morning and listen carefully to the things that are being noted and said because every word that Jesus spoke is powerful. And every word that Jesus spoke is eternal life. Jesus was not just a man. He was the son of God. He was the living God in human body. And when he spoke, every word that dripped from his mouth was precious. And if you were to lean in and listen carefully, every single word he spoke is of value. And you can slice it and dissect it and analyze it because it will profit you much for your soul to listen to the words of eternal life. This is what we believe as Christians. We believe Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus was more than just a prophet. He was more than just a man. And despite what the world says and despite what people think, we believe by faith that Jesus was the living God who works and is still working today in people's lives and making himself known to them in powerful, miraculous ways. And it's a shame that people can't see this because they stay in their darkness, in their bondage and in sin. But anyone who dares to look into faith can possibly see the face of God. And the battle is on in this world, a spiritual battle against you and God, your soul and eternal life. And the battle is on every second, every minute, every day. But the darker the days get, the greater and more graceful the power of God becomes, believe it or not. So no matter what atheism and no matter all the unbelief and all the skepticism in the world, it can come flooding in, pounding against the doors of heaven and they won't prevail. God is just as more powerful in darkness than he is in light. That's our God. And I dare you to, to test him like that, like challenge him. Say, Lord God, if you're there, make yourself known to me. Show me. And he's not going to do that through some kind of an airy-fairy experience. He's going to do it through the concreting of your peace and joy in life. He'll do that in your heart. He will. And so Peter, one of the disciples, he wrestled like most people wrestle with Jesus being the Son of God. Who is he? Who is he? What's he about? And there's a lot of things about the disciples that are very similar to a lot of Christians, you know, when they try to wrestle out God. Listen to this conversation in John chapter 13, verse 36 to 38, as we go through this together. Simon Peter said unto him, Simon, one of the disciples, whether goest you? Jesus answered him, whether I go, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. Verse 37, 
Peter said unto him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, you will lay down your life for my sake. Verily, verily, I say to you, the cock shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Now you're looking at the, what is that? What's going on there? I don't even understand what's happening. But you know, what's going on is a stirring in a soul and the kingdom of heaven. There's a dialogue that's going on that matters. A dialogue, a conversation that if you heard and understood, it could possibly bring life. Peter wants to know, where are you going? Where are you going, Jesus? So this conversation took place after Jesus had just washed the disciples' feet. So a very intimate, warm moment for the Son of God to come and bow down to humans and wash their feet. And as he's washing their feet, he's talking to them about a, a time and an event that's taking place, and he's not understanding it. Peter doesn't get it. That Jesus is going somewhere, and things are going to happen to him, and he's going to be killed somewhat, or, and then he's, he's going to come back in the kingdom, and he, just, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. So he says to him, where are you going? And Jesus doesn't answer him because he sees more than the question. He sees his heart and he actually answers him with a different response. He wants to know where he is going and Jesus doesn't answer him where he is going. He just says to him, you can't come. That's what he says to him. You can't come. It's fascinating, isn't it? A lot of people want direct answers from God and God answers them indirectly to what really matters to them. But they can't hear him because they want a certain answer. But that's not how God works. God meets you at where your heart is, not where your mouth is, but not what you think you want. So a lot of people, they question, they ask, whatever, and they're not getting the response they want because they're looking for the wrong answer. Peter wants, where are you going, Lord? And Jesus says, you can't come. Like a child who hears these things, these truths, and they just want to know, you know, oh, I want to know this, I want to know this, this glory, this beauty, this wonder, this, this, this new kingdom that's coming, I want to know. No, you can't come. You can't come. It would be like a, to, to, to Peter, who loved Jesus so much, it would have like a hit in the heart. Why, why, can't, why can't I come? Why can't I come? Imagine, just for a moment, God said to you right now, you can't come. You can't come into the kingdom. Imagine right now, if there was a reality of the kingdom of heaven, there's an eternal life after death, and all of a sudden you heard the voice of God and says to you, you can't come. How many would you be devastated? How many would be absolutely broken? Because we live life like this, quite flimsy, quite shallow, like quite, nah, 
options and opportunities are open for me, mate. If I want it, I get it, no problem. And we know by nature that when you're told you can't have it, you want it. And you go out for it. But imagine God said to you, no, you can't come into heaven. You can't come into heaven. You can't have eternal life. You can't. What would you do? What would you do? Some of us, ignorantly, because we don't know the truth, walk away flippantly. Others of us would possibly wake up, would realize, well, this is quite precious to me, you know, and I'm about to lose it. Most Christians, when they realize they're about to lose it, they probably become more zealous, more fervent, more determined, probably something like COVID, you know. I can come to church on my alphabetical order. But I won't come this Sunday morning because I've got Zoom. No, no problem, still listen to God's word. And so we've had this time of segmented uh, fellowship where you've got people coming, not coming. You know, when people had opportunity to come and to sit, but it's easier to sit back and just watch it on Zoom. What if God said, no, you can't come at all anymore? You can't come into my house. You can't listen to my word. You just stay home now. How many would wake up? How many would wake up? What if the days were like the days of Noah when Noah was building an ark and he built it day in, day out because he didn't know when the rain was coming. When the rain did come and the first speck came from heaven, it started to land on you and you felt this thing, what is this, water from the sky? And as soon as you realize, wow, the prophecy is true, the world's going to flood, and you start running to the ark, and the door just slams shut. And the Bible says that God shut the door, not man. And there's no way that you can actually get in. You can scratch as much as you want into the wood, but you can't get in. The door has been shut. How many would you run for their life? And so Peter's heart, because he knew Jesus for three years, three years he tasted and knew him. Three years he lived in and out of his life. And then Jesus was saying to him, you can't come. It would have shattered him, wouldn't it? You know, over the three years, Jesus consistently tried to reveal certain truths to his disciples that his disciples just did not get. It reminds me of the church. Every Sunday morning, certain truths, but the people just don't get. You know that? Certain truths that Jesus would speak to his disciples that meant volumes to them, but they just could not get. It's recorded in the scriptures about maybe three events where Jesus first told them about his death, the first time he told them about his death, that he was going to die. You see, I'll tell you something about the disciples. When they heard of Jesus being a saviour, the Messiah that is to come to deliver them, they thought to themselves that he was going to become a king that's going to sit on the throne and he was going to restore Israel and they were going to become like royalty in the kingdom. That's why they were happy to follow him because when he conquered uh, the Romans, that they were going to be elected as, you know, the sergeant this and captain that. But all along he was saying to them, listen, listen, I'm not here long. I'm going. 
I'm going. And they, they couldn't understand it. What are you talking about? You can't go. You're meant to be a king. Like you, well, you can't just imagine when he died. Like when he died, that shattered them. Because how can he be a king if he's dead? Every so often he'd say to them, I'm going. The son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be slain, but be raised the third day. And they couldn't understand it. They couldn't understand it. Even after he had transformed himself at, at a particular time where he revealed his nature, the transfiguration, he appeared like a ghost before them. Even at that time, you know, what perfect moment for them to understand. It says, and they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. And while they wondered every one at all things which Jesus did, he said unto his disciples, let these sayings sink deep down in your ears. For the Son of Man shall be delivered in the hands of men. But they understood not this, this saying. It was hid from them that they perceived it not, and they feared to ask him what he was even saying. They couldn't understand it. Like they didn't get it. Day in, every Sunday morning. You just don't, you don't get it. Like, you can't see what he's saying. These truths about God and Jesus and giving him your life and surrendering it to him, I don't get it. What does it mean to be a Christian? To follow? I don't get it. And for three years he was with them. Even a day when they were heading to the Passover, the third time he mentions it recorded in the Scriptures. Then he took unto him the twelve and he said to them, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and he shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spat on. And they, and they will scourge him and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them. Neither they knew those things which were spoken. Unbelievable, right? His own disciples, they didn't get it. They didn't get it. Like a lot of Christians, they don't get it. And so, Peter, I just want to be where you are, Jesus, but you can't come, Peter. You can't come. And it would be the most devastating thing. I mean, there were stories and events that took place in the time of Jesus where there were hints, hints, like little pictures of, of, of what was to happen. Like Mary, when she came into uh, to, to the, to, to, uh, the, the Pharisee's house, and she, she came down with an alabaster box and broke it, and she wept and she cried and she, and she, she, she uh, washed his feet. And all it was was pictures drawn about the events that he was trying to reveal to the disciples that they just couldn't get. Oh, she was preparing him for the burial. She was preparing his body because he, she knew that he was going to die. And these things were revealed consistently, but people didn't get it. They didn't get it. And this conversation that's taking place with Peter is a conversation. Peter said unto him, Lord, why can I not follow you then? Why, which is a genuine, sincere cry of his heart. Why can't I follow you? Because listen, Jesus, I will lay my life down for you. 
So Peter reveals his zeal, his passion, his determination. And Peter looks, and Jesus looks at him and goes, <laughs> This is really like this, like is it really? Really, Peter? You you you'll die for me? It's a fascinating uh, response. People don't get it. The dialogue that was happening. Peter, in his head, he was there, mate. I'm ready to die for Jesus. Like, like, a, like a, a, a passionate, passionate Christian. I'll do anything for Jesus. I, and Jesus is along saying, you can't, you can't come. You can't come. And Peter's saying, what do you mean I can't come? I will die for you. I'll do everything for you. And God's going, and it's like that. Like for some, you can't, you can't. No, no, I can. I'll die for you. He says, listen, Peter. Before the cock crows three times, you would have denied me. Listen out for the cock crow. Because you think you'll give your life to me, but I'm telling you, you're going to deny me three times. Fascinating conversation, right? What's happening? There's something in this passage that's quite rich and beautiful. Because God never leaves anyone without hope. See, God feeds the hungry, but he also brings the hunger. And your hunger for God sometimes is the wrong hunger. Because you could be hungry and you can go out and eat junk food. And you can satisfy yourself with soda water, uh, Coca-Cola, you know, and you think that's, that's, that's going to quench your thirst, you know, that, that's going to fulfill my appetite. And what God does, he cleans you up and he, realizes, he washes you out until you realize that, you know what, these aren't the things that are really satisfying me. And so he puts in you a genuine, true, sincere hunger for him that only he and himself can fill. You see, because in this dialogue, if you listen carefully, he says this to him, Jesus answered, wherever I go, you cannot follow me now, in verse 36. But, but, you shall follow me, what? Afterwards. That's a great thing now. But Peter, why not now? Jesus, afterwards. Why afterwards? Why not now? Christians just want things spontaneously, quickly, urgently, like a, like a download, you know. It's just, man, look at Netflix, man. You, you don't have to wait for the next episode. You've got them all there in one go. You could, you could binge the whole night, get through all the episodes. Even a game, you get sick of one game, you just bang quickly. I want it now. That's our nature. But Jesus says, no, no, listen, something must be done first. You can't have it now. You can follow me after, after. And here, brothers and sisters, is what's extraordinary. It is wonderful. It is fantastic. Because he identifies to Peter. Listen, Peter, you can have all the zeal in the world. You could be all passionate and you could be all excited and you can love worship and you can love songs and you can love Bible studies and you can be all the Christian you want to be. But listen, something needs to be done because all that zeal is just nothing because no sooner will you deny me, mate. No sooner will you deny me till something gets done. And what's that? I must go and I must crucify myself. 
Because when I crucify myself, all your zeal and all your passion, all the I want to die for you, Jesus, can only be fulfilled once I crucify myself. Once I die to this body and my spirit rises in me, then Peter, you will be free to never deny me again. You'll be free to live and walk the talk that you claim. You'll be free, but let me first do what I need to do. Let me die. I've been trying to tell you for so long, I need to die. And if I die, that's where people will live. So all your zealousness, all your excitement, everything that you want, wait, hang on, relax, let me die. And Jesus Christ died. Do you see Peter the same man? Do you see Peter the same man? Did he deny him after the resurrection? Did he deny him once the Pentecost day came and he converted 3,000 people? Did he deny him when he was hung upside down on the cross because he didn't want to die like his master? So just hang on, Peter. Hang on. Because your body, listen, this is the vital truth, and this is what I want to share with you this morning. Your body can have all the experience and all the emotions of lovey-dovey, I want Jesus, I want Jesus. And you can feel and experience all the warmth of Christianity and Bible studies and worship. But no sooner do you walk out on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you've denied the Lord Jesus Christ. And you don't seem to be taking good hold of your Christian life, you know, because you just can't seem to get it right. But what I'm saying to you is this. Jesus Christ has done and fulfilled it for you. Therefore, if you acknowledge, like Jesus is trying to reveal to Peter, really, Peter? Don't you know that your flesh and your body no sooner is going to deny me? Really, Peter, you need to know and believe that the power of the cross is what's the most important thing to you. Just hang in there, mate. Wait till you know the cross. When you know the cross, you will be free. That's what he's saying to Peter. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why this is very important truth in Christianity. Because your body, whether you're civilized, good, kind, and nice, does not want God, full stop. Does that make sense to you? Your flesh belongs to the earth. Flesh doesn't dwell in the kingdom. The flesh, all it wants to do is satisfy itself. And you cannot satisfy the things of God if you stay in the flesh. I'm talking metaphorically. The flesh has an appetite that must be fed. And all the zeal in the world can't feed it. And a lot of Christians come in and out of churches with the flesh. And they wonder why they can't live the Christian life. Because the flesh. But when you acknowledge that there is now no more good thing in you, like Paul says, there dwelleth in me no good thing. And you acknowledge that Jesus Christ took this flesh because he came in a form like you and I, and he went to the cross and he nailed it, teaching us that this flesh does not need to dominate you anymore, doesn't need to rule over you anymore. You just need to confess it, acknowledge it. And believe in the power of the cross that rose Jesus from the grave is the same spirit he freely gives to you. So you can't claim glory or power in your own self. You only can claim glory in the Christ 
and him crucified in the power of the cross. This is the dialogue that's going on here. That's what it's saying. You can't follow me if this flesh isn't dead. If you don't crucify it, you can't follow me. All your desires, everything are related to this world. You're looking for security. You're looking for comfort. You're looking to be acknowledged. You're looking to be accepted. All these things are part of the flesh. But Jesus says, if you leave it all behind and you give it up and you follow me, you find eternal life. Because all these things in the flesh are to keep you down here. But the things of the spirit are to take you up there. That's why you can't come, Peter, because you're still in the flesh. Let me break that bondage for you. Let me take it to the cross so that you can follow me, because after you will. You understand? Does that make sense? This is good news. Those of you who are sitting down wondering, why can't I get my life right? Because it's the flesh. Those of you, why can't I get my Christianity concreted? Because the flesh. The flesh has no desire for the things of God. I can preach the most holiest, most beautiful message, but the body that is here standing before you is the flesh that still desires this crooked world. Without the grace and power of God, this flesh would dominate and suffocate me. But I thank the Lord Jesus Christ, who on the power of his resurrection granted me the same spirit that rose him from the dead, now dwells in me. I don't listen to the flesh anymore. I don't listen to the thoughts and, and, and desires. I have them, but I deny them. That's why Jesus says, anyone wants to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up the cross. I deny them because I have the power to deny them now by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's Christianity. Does that make sense to you? Unfortunately, that's not what's being taught, you see. We're disciples walking around for three years with Jesus, and we still didn't understand what he meant when he said, I'm going to die. That's why one day when Jesus was walking with the, uh, to Samaria and he came across a woman at the well, beautiful story of a woman at the well, broken, 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 looking for love, love. Over five men, she was given nothing. And she gave up on the whole system of relationships. And there she was going out to satisfy her flesh because she wants to drink nourishment to her body. Her, her flesh needed to be satisfied by the, by the waters of the earth, her flesh. But Jesus said to her something very beautiful. He says, listen, when, when people come to me and when they worship me one day, they're going to worship me not with the flesh. They're going to worship me with the spirit and truth. They're going to worship me with the spirit, not with the flesh. I hope I'm not getting too deep theologically, right? I'm trying to, I'm trying to make a little bite sizes for you so you understand the crucial truth that can set, satisfy and set you free. Jesus Christ, very simply, saw man the flesh tripping over their feet, so much so tumbling over the cliffs and dying daily. God the Father looked at man and said, these people, as long as they're in the flesh, as long as they're separated from me, they're doomed for destruction. 
I need something to take their flesh, to destroy their flesh. But I need this thing to be good and strong and powerful. And he looked among the prophets and he looked among men and he found no one. But there was Jesus, the Son of God, who came and says, I'll take this flesh. I'll come as they are. Dwell among them like they dwell. I'll live like they live. I won't sit in my glory in my throne. I'll take their body as my body. That's what he did. And then he walked with my body. You see? My body. He walked with it. And people laughed and mocked and spat in his face. And he turned the other cheek. How in the world do you turn the other cheek in this body? But he did it. He saw savagery. He saw, he saw the worst. And yet he carried this body. Not sluggishly. Not staggering. But in confidence that this body must be put to death. And that's what he did. He took it and he nailed it himself to the cross. He decided for it to be nailed. And there it was. It is finished. That's what he did. Your flesh does not need to dominate you anymore. Your problems don't need to overtake you anymore. You are set free in Jesus' name. I heard an applause in my head. I did. I heard an applause. You, you, not for me. The, 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 the glory that you are set free in Jesus' name. And that's the whole conversation that Jesus was having with Peter. You can't do it. But let me do this. And then you can do it. Brothers and sisters, the message isn't just for Peter. It's for every disciple who wants to seek him. If you're sick and tired of being in this flesh, then believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, and then receive what he did. If it be true according to your faith, if you believe this, it shall be done. And you can walk in the newness of life as the Bible promises, in victory, overcoming and dominating those things that drag you down in this life. Let's bow our heads in prayer. So you could be in and out of Christianity and still never understand the true gospel. Just like the disciples. But tonight, this morning, if you, if you hear his voice knocking at the door of your heart, if you know that God has spoken to you this morning, would you just come before him and ask him, Lord Jesus Christ, you have brought me into existence for a reason, and that's to know you. I pray that you would concrete, concrete this message into my heart and into my life that I may truly understand what it is to receive you and to have your spirit rule my life. Those of you who in this room or behind the screen, if you don't have Jesus Christ into your, in your life, all you've got to do is ask him, confess before him that you are in the flesh, that you are in your sin, and that you want him to rule and reign in your heart. 
And if you believe that by faith, he will. If you believe that and want that, he will. And it will come and it will clean and change your life. You can then go and walk in the newness of the Spirit of the Lord and find peace and eternal life. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord God, for your word this morning. Thank you, Father, for your truths and your word. Thank you, Lord God, for all the things that you've revealed to us and provide for us in our day-to-day life. I pray for those who don't know you this morning that you would knock at the door of their heart till they've received you into their life. And I ask you this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you guys.